What's happening, food eaters? This is Mel Weinstein, host of the Food Labels Revealed podcast and the self-professed prophet of processed foods. A new show is released at the end of every month. This is episode number 40. Now, this program is another in the irregular series called Hidden Ingredients in Food, where I talk about substances that will never show up on a food label. The subject today is chicken. What kinds of hidden ingredients could wind up in chicken, you ask? Well, unfortunately, there is a lot to talk about, from cradle to grave, so to speak. By the end, you may be a bit surprised even a little astonished, or possibly a bit alarmed. We'll see. Before I get to what's on your plate, here are a few brief messages. For newcomers to the podcast, here's some info about me. I have a 30-plus year background in chemistry education, food testing, and food chemical research. And during that time, I had a fascination, some may call it an obsession, with the topic of processed foods, what's in those foods, and how they may be affecting our health. I try to look behind the commercial food curtain at all those strange, hard-to-pronounce, and sometimes downright unhealthy ingredients that wind up in many of the foods stocked on the shelves of our grocery stores. This is a 100% free on-demand radio show. Yes, I said free. This podcast has no sponsors, financial supporters, sugar daddies, or Kickstarter campaigns. All the opinions expressed in this podcast are mine, and to keep it that way, I don't work with any sponsoring organizations. All I ask of you is to listen, and if you are informed, educated, or entertained by the content, Please let others know through social media or the old-fashioned way, word of mouth. Website and contact information will be provided at the end of the show. Let's get to those chickens. Previously, I talked about the hidden ingredients in wine and beer in podcast number 19 and number 25 and of beef in number 30. Hidden ingredients are those substances present in a food by intention or happenstance, that are not required to be listed on a food label. Today, to be clear, I'm only going to be talking about unprocessed or raw chicken, which, as a so-called natural food, is not required to have an ingredient label. When you go to the grocery store and purchase an unprocessed chicken product, like a package of breasts or wings or thighs, there is no ingredient or nutrition facts label on the package. You may see information about inspection, grade, fat content, etc., but the product is considered pure, like a banana or apple, so the government does not require an ingredients list. The product is unprocessed because there are no added preservatives, colorants, flavorings, etc. However, that's not the case where chicken is just one of the ingredients in a food product. In that case, any number of food additives and food substances may also be present, which must be listed on the label along with the chicken. So, as regards 100% chicken, what's there to talk about? Good question. When you eat animal flesh, you're just not eating muscle and fat. 
you may also be consuming residues of things that the animals were exposed to, such as chemicals in their food and water, contaminants from packaging, machinery residue, biological organisms from the environment, contaminations from processing facilities such as slaughterhouses and meatpacking plants, as well as potential biohazards from the animals themselves. Hidden ingredients can cover a wide gamut of possibilities. Now, I realize that this is a subject that some people may find repulsive and may not want to think about such things. Maybe it's the weirdness in me, but I find it a bit fascinating to take a deeper look or dive into the composition of the food we eat. When you think about it, we food eaters put a great deal of trust in the people who raise our food, the people who process it, the people who package it, and the people who sell it. All along that chain, unwanted components can sneak into the foods we eat. How trusting we are. Even more so when we eat in a restaurant where generally we have no clue what ingredients or contaminants may be present in the food. Before getting into the subject, for the purpose of full disclosure, I need to reveal that I don't eat chicken products. However, all the information presented in this program comes from reliable sources such as government organizations, the chicken industry itself, scientific publications and respected journals, and well-known and respected magazines and newspapers. In reporting this information, I don't have an axe to grind against the poultry industry. Obviously, it's impossible to get rid of all bias, but I'll be doing my best to stick to the facts as I know them through various informed sources. All the resources and references used for this program will be available in the show notes at www.podbean.com. Let's start at the beginning. 99% of chickens sold in supermarket chains are intensively raised in large confinement buildings where 10,000 birds or more are housed in a single building and may never see the light of day. Only artificial lighting. A chick arrives at the facility as a one-day-old hatchling who has probably been immunized with a spray vaccination. The chick is continuously fed for an average of 47 days until it reaches a weight of about 4.5 pounds, after which the chick is transported to a slaughter plant. By contrast, a pet chicken can live over 3,600 days or more. Chickens for food consumption are bred to mature quickly. In 1925, it took about 112 days to reach market age, but clever methods of genetic breeding in the last century have cut that market age by more than half. The birds I'm talking about are the broiler chickens, which make up the bulk of the chicken population. There are other types who wind up in the food supply, like Cornish hens, roasting chickens, and spent layers, egg layers who are past their prime. And I won't be talking about these. The six to seven weeks that the chicks spend in the confinement building are unpleasant and unnatural. If you've ever been in a commercial chicken house, the first things that you'll probably notice are the massive overcrowding and the stench. Chickens poop quite a bit. The excrement produces ammonia gas, an acrid, foul-smelling, hazardous substance that can cause lung injuries in both the birds and the workers. Since the environment that the chickens are raised in is pretty unsanitary, chicken farmers are concerned about infectious diseases in the flock. 
Losses of chickens due to illness affects the bottom line, so measures are taken to limit deaths in the chicken house. At this point in the chicken production process, chemicals get introduced into the animal's diet. You have probably heard about the antibiotics crisis in this country. The crux of the crisis is that the antibiotics used to fight human infections are becoming increasingly ineffective and not enough new drugs are being discovered and manufactured to replace the ones that don't work anymore. As a consequence, more people are dying of infections that used to be controlled or eradicated using common antibiotics like penicillin and tetracycline. The pathogens become resistant to treatment by these drugs. Here's an astonishing fact. Roughly 80% of all the antibiotics used in this country are given to livestock. Now, to be honest, not all human antibiotics are used to treat animals. However, keep this in mind. When animals are given low-level doses of any antibiotic, the weaker germs in their system are destroyed, leaving the stronger, more resistant germs to flourish and to eventually develop immunity to other antibiotics. It's a win-lose situation. The chicken producers win by maintaining healthier flocks, so they have more birds surviving until slaughter, which translates into larger profits. The rest of us lose because our own health may be at risk down the road. Now, why are we in this mess? Back in the 1940s, it was known that antibiotics like penicillin, streptomycin, and chlortetracycline help control outbreaks of disease in chicken houses. But they also observed that when the chicken's digestive tracts were kept healthy, they gained more weight without eating more food. It wasn't until the mid-1970s that the microbiologist Stuart Levi observed that potentially deadly bacteria were developing resistance to the common antibiotics. Today, over 300 medications containing antibiotics have been approved to treat illness, prevent disease, and promote growth in farm animals. In 2014, it was noted by the Centers for Disease Control that 430,000 people in the United States got sick from foodborne resistant bacteria and at least 23,000 people died. Now, in 2019, the chicken industry claims that there has been a big improvement in this situation. According to the National Chicken Council, an excess of 50% of broiler chickens are raised without antibiotics. Two of the most important antibiotics, fluoroquinolones and cephalosporins, have already been phased out. The application of antibiotics is under the administration and supervision of licensed veterinarians. They note that a class of antibiotics called ionophores are not given to humans and are used to treat intestinal diseases in chickens, so we should not be concerned about them. They claim that if those common types of problems can be kept under control, then the birds will not get deathly sick, thus requiring stronger antibiotics, ones used by humans. The argument comes down to this. Preventing the disease is prudent veterinary medicine and the right thing to do. Also, the National Chicken Council states that the only human antibiotics used these days are to treat necrotic enteritis, another intestinal disease caused by the bacterium Clostridium. 
and that the FDA approves the dose and duration of treatment. The other antibiotics used by humans were phased out by 2016. What about drug residues in chickens after slaughter that may be consumed with the meat? The chicken industry assures us that this is not a problem since there is a time period between the administration of the drugs and the slaughtering of the birds so that the drugs are cleared from their bodies. I wonder whether the government, through the agencies of the FDA and the USDA, actually provide thorough monitoring and testing protocols to assure us that drug residues don't wind up in the meat. Considering that roughly 9 billion chickens are slaughtered each year in the United States, it would certainly be a daunting task to check a high percentage of animals for drug contaminations. What chicken producers feed their animals can be a mysterious question. Try doing a Google search on the subject and you'll see what I mean. The information is hard to come by for reasons I really can't figure out. We already know that drugs are intentionally added to chicken feed to control diseases. What else is added? About 10 years ago, people were shocked to learn that potentially toxic arsenic compounds were routinely added to chicken feed. In fact, the practice was started way back in the 1940s. Why? Well, farmers found that an arsenic compound improved muscle growth, fought disease, and made the meat pinker. Although most of the arsenic got excreted, some of it wound up in the meat. The practice of adding the arsenic-containing drug Roxasone, made by Pfizer, eventually became standard protocol. So, by 2010, 88% of all the chickens raised for meat production in the United States were consuming the drug in their feed. Now, arsenic is a carcinogen that is also associated with heart disease, type 2 diabetes, cognitive impairment, and problems in pregnancy. When this news got out to the public, a consumer uproar occurred, which eventually prompted the FDA in 2014 to ban the use of roxasone. Another consequence of that practice was the environmental contamination of ground and surface water supplies and agricultural land from the arsenic-containing chicken excrement, which was used as a fertilizer. Today, hopefully, arsenic in chicken is not a problem, but it does teach us about unintended consequences regarding the use of chemicals and drugs in animal agriculture. Let's see, what else might you find in chicken feed? The FDA has approved certain additives that provide desirable properties in chicken. Have you ever heard of Tajit's meal, also called Aztec Marigold? It is a coloring agent that is mixed with a preservative called ethoxyquin, which controls fat oxidation. The purpose of the Tajits is to enhance the yellow color of chicken skin. This additive is strictly cosmetic to make the chicken meat more appealing to the customer. Let's move on from the live chickens to the dead ones. I am going to briefly describe the slaughter process because it bears on several hidden ingredients that I'll mention later. So, after about six weeks of growth, when the chickens have reached market weight, they are rounded up. Catchers grab them by one or two legs, invert their bodies, and place them in transport crates. Then they are trucked to the slaughterhouse. 
After entering the slaughterhouse, they are shackled upside down by their legs onto a continuous conveyor belt. The chickens are stunned by electricity to knock them unconscious so they don't feel pain. That is the most common method for stunning in the United States. Next, their throats are slit and the internal fluids allowed to drain. Next, the birds are dunked in a hot water bath to remove the feathers. The feathers may be converted to animal feed. After defeathering, the birds are eviscerated to remove the entrails and the feet. The feet may be processed into an Asian delicacy. Next, the birds are disinfected with a chemical rinse for being inspected. In the next final step, they are immersed in a chill tank controlling cold running water to inhibit the growth of foodborne pathogens. Then some chickens may be tested for microbes like salmonella. Finally, the chickens are cut up into parts and packaged for shipment in refrigerated trucks. What are some hidden ingredients in these processed chickens? First off, there's water. Lots of it. Just like we are composed of 60% by weight of water, so too are chickens. A whole broiler fryer contains 66% water before cooking and 60% afterwards. If you purchased a three-pound whole chicken, you would be buying almost two pounds of water. But that's not all. Remember the cold water chill tank? As the dead chickens are dunked in that tank, they will absorb additional water. That may amount to 8 to 12% by weight. If you look closely at the labels on raw chicken, you may see some number describing the extra water. Of course, that doesn't count chicken products that have been marinated in some type of broth which jacks up the water content even higher. So let's say you pay $3 per pound of raw chicken. You could be paying up to $2.16 for the water in that chicken. What else might you find in chicken in the store? How about foodborne pathogens? We all know about the health risks associated with raw animal flesh. For chicken in particular, we know about the risk of salmonella contamination. In fact, about 25% of all chickens in stores are infected with salmonella bacteria. A consumer report study in 2013 analyzed 300 raw chicken breasts purchased at stores across the country, including organic brands. Almost all the meat had bacteria lurking in them. In this country, more deaths are attributed to poisoned poultry than any other commodity. Where do those nasty pathogens come from? Let's return to the cold water chill tank. After evisceration, chicken feces are released into that water. Even if a particular chicken is not infected with a pathogen, all chickens get exposed to the same contaminated water in the chill tank. All of the dangerous pathogens that we hear about, Salmonella, Campylobacter, Listeria, Staphylococcus aureus, E. coli, Enterococcus, and others, they all reside in the chicken intestines. But you might be thinking to yourself, I can get exposed to these pathogens from almost anything, even fruit and vegetable produce. That's true. In December 2018, two E. coli contaminations in romaine lettuce grown in California wind up hospitalizing more than 100 people. 
and five died. But here's what you need to remember. Lettuce doesn't poop. There are no intestines in lettuce. E. coli resides in animal feces. When produce such as lettuce gets contaminated with E. coli or other pathogens, that means that the crop was irrigated or fertilized by contaminated water from a livestock facility located upstream of the produce farm, or maybe animal feces were applied to the land as a fertilizer. In 2018, there were 703 food recalls. Most of the recalls were from poultry contaminations, followed by beef and pork. In preparing chicken in your kitchen, the government's advice is to cook the meat to an internal temperature of 165 degrees Fahrenheit by checking it with a meat thermometer. Only at that temperature or above will the pathogenic bacteria be killed. Another issue with foodborne pathogens like salmonella is that when you take the chicken out of the package, you can get the bacteria on your hands. If you touch anything else in the kitchen, like counters, utensils, people, the pathogens could get transferred and survive for hours and sometimes days, raising the possibility of additional exposures. The last hidden ingredients that I'm going to devote time to fall under the heading of foreign matter, also just abbreviated FM. This contamination is not limited to raw chicken, but can happen in any processed food. I first learned about foreign matter when I worked in the corn wet milling industry. Corn syrup was manufactured from the breakdown of cornstarch. During the process, since the product stream moved through metal pipes and pumps and vats, there was always the possibility that metal chips or slivers could break off of machinery and wind up in the syrup. That was foreign matter. Metal in the product could cause serious issues with human health or could affect other products made from the syrup. In that case, all the syrup passed through strong magnets to remove the iron contaminants. As regards chicken processing plants, you can imagine that meat could also pick up foreign substances as the chickens move through the slaughterhouse and the packaging plant. One industry spokesman said, the amount of time a product is spending in contact with machines leads to a higher likelihood of contamination by those machines. Robust preventive maintenance programs and the use of metal detectors are essential to limiting this risk, but are not 100% effective. He says the biggest issue is contamination from the metal shavings, shards, or pieces coming from such machinery as grinders, mixers, cutters, slicers, and dicers. The president of a food safety consulting firm said that poultry incidents frequently occur during the slaughter process when rips and workers' gloves create debris. Faster run rates and larger batch sizes of products also can trigger incidents. As volume increases, the chances of contamination increase intrinsically when scaling any program or operation. Now note this, in 2014, the USDA created the new poultry inspection system, which increased slaughter and processing line speeds to between 140 and 175 birds per minute, making the possibility of contaminations even higher. Just think about that a moment. If 175 chickens are killed per minute 
over the course of an eight-hour shift, then 84,000 birds are processed during that time. In terms of hidden ingredients in chickens, I'm just getting started. But there's not enough time to cover the whole subject, which could be the basis of a, of a complete book. Now, here are some other chemicals that might contaminate the final product. Herbicides, pesticides, mycotoxins from mold, like aflatoxin, industrial compounds like dioxins, PCBs, and melamine, and then contaminations by heavy metals such as lead. So what are the take-home messages for today's show? From the time a chicken is raised in a confinement shed to the time it's slaughtered and to the time its flesh is packaged, the meat is exposed to a variety of chemical and biological contaminants, some of which may do a body harm. The raw food package isn't going to give you a clue about those contaminants, with the exception of maybe extra water in the product. In fact, the package will have a USDA inspection label, maybe giving you a false impression that everything is fine and the product is pristine. As a supposed natural product, the meat is bought on faith. We trust that our government is inspecting, testing, grading, and sanctioning that the product is safe for human consumption. But, as has been talked about in this program, chicken could have a variety of contaminants due to exposure to feed components, foodborne pathogens, antibiotics, foreign matter, and other unexpected chemicals. Furthermore, the preparation of the chicken for dinner could expose you to serious health issues. What is a consumer to do? Well, there are a variety of options. To avoid all exposure, just say no. Eat something else. Or limit your exposure by making the following careful choices from reasonable to extreme. First, Choose to eat only organic chicken. In that case, at least you know the chickens are not eating feed that has added synthetic chemicals. Second, get to know a local livestock producer and butcher. Choose the chickens that you want to eat and follow them from cradle to grave to make sure that they are not exposed to a toxic environment. And lastly, if you have the land and resources available, plus the know-how and gumption, raise your own chickens, kill them, and package the meat yourself. Only then will you have very high certainty that the meat you eat is not chemically and biologically contaminated. Well, it's time to bring this show to a close. To all the listeners in podcast land, old and new, I appreciate you taking the time to tune in. If you have a little bit more time, I'd greatly appreciate a review, good, bad, or indifferent, at the iTunes store. You can find all the episodes of Food Labels Revealed and their show notes at the hosting website called Podbean. That's at www.podbean.com or just by googling the phrase Food Labels Revealed. And, of course, you can always listen to the podcast on your smartphone or tablet by downloading a podcast app like Apple Podcast or Google Play or a host of others too numerous to mention. By the way, this podcast was just recently added to Spotify. If you have a question or comment on anything about food ingredients or this podcast or just want to say hello, drop me a line at foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. 
That's one phrase, all one phrase, foodlabelsrevealed at gmail.com. If you think your family, friends, coworkers, or acquaintances might be interested in this podcast, tweet or post a link through your social media outlets to get the word out. Don't forget that the references provided in this podcast are available in the show notes located at the Podbean hosting website, or they might just show up in your app. Lastly, I have a Facebook page that is an adjunct to the podcast. Several times a week, I post a news item related to food ingredients, processed foods, and food trends. Just research in Facebook under Food Labels Revealed Podcast. Please give it a like when you get a chance, comment if you wish, and feel free to share the post. Next month, I return to the world of fast food, where I'll continue the conversation about chicken by evaluating the ingredients and nutritional properties of the food in several fried chicken restaurants. Until later, remember this. If you want to eat well and keep yourself healthy, eat food mainly from natural plants, not manufacturing plants. The outro music piece is called Displaced Memories, composed by David Heilowitz.